Now, I know they are without a piano player this morning and without a drummer. Amen. So they continue to amaze me, this worship team. Amen. Being faithful unto the Lord. Church, before we get started in the message this morning, we do have a special service that we'll briefly conduct this morning, and we have a great baby dedication this morning. Come on, that's wonderful. Who don't love babies, amen? If you don't like babies, come see me, and I'm going to pray for you for salvation, okay? Something ain't right there. Those sweet little innocent, selfish little things, them. That's what I call them, amen? Little precious, selfish little creatures we got. They are, amen? But this morning we got baby dedication, so... Martha, before you run off there, dear, I'm going to ask you to come up with me this morning. Okay. How did I know she was going to respond like that? Sister Sharon, I'm going to ask you to come up, please, too, if you would. the parents to come up, Brother Larry and Sister Jesse, and the grandfather also, and baby baby Logan, right? Amen. And then the sister, what's her name, Lane, or is she back in the back? Okay. Amen. Church, I know it's a wonderful thing when we dedicate children, amen. It is a wonderful thing. Actually, when we talk about baby dedication... It is dedicating this child, amen, unto the Lord. But really that responsibility lies on the parents. It's a responsibility of the parents to train up a child in the ways of the Lord. And the Bible gives us that promise that when that child gets older, they shall not depart from it. What a wonderful promise, a lifelong promise we have of the Lord. So actually when we dedicate children, it's actually the parents that are coming forth publicly as they have today before the church, before the Lord and saying we as parents are going to do everything in our power to stand for the things of God. We're going to love the Lord. We're going to praise Him. We're going to honor Him. And we are going to do everything within us to teach this child this precious gift from the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us that children are a gift from the Lord. And we're going to do everything in our power to train up this child, to teach her to educate her, to be there for her, to protect her. We're going to train this child up in the ways of the Lord. So it's actually the parents that are coming forth and dedicating all those things before the Lord. I do want to read a few verses for you this morning in relation to that. Predominantly in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The word tells us, starting off at verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart, that you shall teach them diligently unto your children, and you shall talk of them when you sittest in your own house, and when you walkest by the way, and when you liest down, and when you risest up. So it tells us right here that we should do everything that is within us to raise up our children with this knowledge of the Lord. But it is contingent first on us to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. So 
So I'm excited for this dear couple today. I'm excited for this child. The grandfather is also here with us today. Church, you also know the responsibility lies on us. Did you know that? You know the old saying, it takes a village to raise the children? There's a lot of truth to that. It takes a body, a body of caring believers, of brothers and sisters to help raise these children. And I know you're going to do everything in your power to help this young couple and help this child to grow up. And who knows what the Lord will do with this baby, amen? So I'm going to just ask us to come together, if you would, Sister Sharon and my wife. Let's lay hands on this baby. And let's bless these parents and this child today. Church, I'm going to ask you just to stretch your hands forward this morning and join us in prayer. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, Lord God. Lord, we're just asking you to help this dear couple, oh Lord. I'm asking you to bless them, oh Lord God, in their walk before you, Lord Jesus. I'm asking you to bless this dear child, oh Lord God. Keep her as she comes, keep her as she goes. And Lord, I ask that your protective hand, your hedge, ever be upon her, oh Lord God. Protect her, oh Lord God, as only you can. And Lord, pour into her, oh Lord God, that she may come to know you, oh Lord as her personal Lord and Savior one day. Protect this father and this mother, O oh Lord God, as they attempt this walk before you, Lord God, this great responsibility, O oh Lord, that you've given them. Let them rest in you, Lord, for all that they need and all that they desire, O oh Lord God. Lord, we have great expectations for this baby, O oh Lord God, as you touch her and touch them to be used in your kingdom in a magnificent way. And we trust you today for this. In Jesus' name today. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Church, let's give him some praise this morning. I might just preach like this today. How about that? Did y'all want to get some pictures before we sit down? Y'all want to hold her? I don't really want to let her go, but if y'all want to hold her. Brings back a lot of memories, huh, church? <laughs> Amen. Church, is not God good today? You know, church, we look at these beautiful children. I want to tell you something. A church without children is a dead church. Amen. I want to also tell you all something. And we are not there, but we have to be very cognizant that we don't decide to go there. Church, we can get so caught up in our own ways, our own desires, what we want and how we want church, people that look like us, that dress like us, that play the same music as us, and all those things. Church, we can get so caught up in that of creating clones of ourselves at this church that this church will end up dying because there's no new life coming into the church. Amen? We should always have young people coming into our church, we should have a steady flow of that children being born. I went out to, uh, our daughter went out to 
Brother Arsenault's church, Brother Marlon Arsenault out in Holden, she went to vacation Bible school throughout this week with some of her friends. And they, we went out there Friday night for the service. It was wonderful of all the songs they had the children sing. But you know, he told me something spectacular, Sister Sharon. He told me that over the past year, they have had 47 children born in that church. 47. How's that of adding to your congregation? 47. I asked him, I said, well, how did you preach with all them children? He said, I just preached right through it, amen. But God's good this morning, amen. Let's make sure that we seek growth in this church and we seek movement in the right and proper ways of the Lord. Remember what he commanded them. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, amen. Replenish the earth. If you would turn them in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17 this morning. 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll be starting off at verse 8 this morning. Church, I have had a theme that I have been speaking to you about movement. It has been upon my heart. It's been upon my spirit. I've been talking to you constantly about moving. Church, we can never get into the place and position to where we choose to stop moving because I want to tell you this. If you choose to stop growth, if you choose to stop your movement, you will become stagnant. You will become stove up per se and you will begin to perish we see the children whenever they came out into the wilderness they were constantly moving about for 40 years and we know that that whole generation perished because of the attitude and the mindsets of their hearts but the lord still had them moving throughout this entire time so i want to elaborate more on that this morning around that theme of movement once more it does not matter how old you are it does not matter how young you are. It does not matter how wise you are or how intelligent you are or even what you have done for the Lord in your past. God still desires you wherever you are at this moment in your walk, in your journey to move. Amen? All right, all two of you that's excited about movement. Come on, I'm going to start running around now. I want to talk to you this morning about the source of movement. Now, church, we know it is contingent upon the Lord to do the work. Everything comes from the Lord, all good things, all power, all life, all expectation. Everything comes from the Lord. But, church, we have a responsibility on our side. You see, we don't just get saved and sat on the pew and everything's honky-dory, for lack of better terms, for the rest of our life. Church, that's exactly how it doesn't happen, amen? God is going to protect you. He's going to keep you. He's going to grow in you. But we have some responsibilities on our side also. You see, God wants to consistently move us off of the milk and onto the meat, amen? He wants us to grow in maturity. And it doesn't matter how old you are, but it is how much you have grown in the Lord. I want to tell you, I've met some men and women who are in their 70s and 80s, and they're still like babes in the Lord. I've met some young people that are even much younger than me, and they're very wise in the Lord because they have allowed the Lord to grow in them, to nurture them. They have a desire. They have an unction to grow in the things of the Lord. And so God has used them in a great capacity to move them further into maturity. And we also should have that desire for more of the Lord, more wisdom, more discernment, more growth. 
But there is a huge responsibility that comes back on us to desire and also move when God gives us the unction. You see, the word is very clear that faith without works is dead faith. See, you can believe and trust all day long, but there's never no action that follows that faith. It tells us that that faith is dead faith. So therefore, what it's also telling us, you need to have faith. You have to have faith. The just shall walk by faith. We shall live by faith. But there's going to be action that follows your faith and what you trust and what you believe. And so this morning, I want to look at two separate examples going through the same situation, but how God challenged them and their faith to move and to act out on their faith. And we see it with some very, very hard circumstances. Everybody in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8, amen? Amen. It tells us this this morning, verse 8. I'm going to read these verses and I'm going to break down the two individuals and see how God touched them differently and required different things of them both, but in essence the same thing of them both. It says in verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This is the prophet Elijah. Now one thing we have to look at in the Old Testament, we know that the Holy Spirit could not dwell within them because Christ had not come and had paid the sin penalty. We would see the Holy Spirit come upon these people in a great and a mighty way, but the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, could not abide within them because we know the blood of bulls and goats only covered the sin. It did not take away the sin of the world. But we know that when Jesus came, as John the Baptist would give him the title, he would say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And we know that after Christ was crucified, it opened up the way, the path for the Holy Spirit to abide in us and us in Him, as it tells us in John chapter 15. God residing within us, the very mystery of God, God in us. Amen? But the Holy Spirit would come upon these Old Testament prophets and these Old Testament men and women, and the Holy Spirit would move upon them mindlessly to do great and mighty things, but could not reside within them. That could only come after the sin was taken away, and that only come through the perfect Lamb of God. It had to be a man, amen? It could not be an animal. It had to be a man, a like kind that would take away the sin of the world without spot, without blemish. But Elijah was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. But he was a like man like you and I who had same natural desires. He had same things. He would get hungry. He would do all these things. He wasn't like a superman, but instead he was a man just like you and I. And if he was a man just like you and I, he also had to have the same simple faith in the Lord just like you and I. And church, I want to tell you once more, if you have faith this morning in God, that faith may not be, but I'm telling you it will be tested. It will be tested. Your time of testing will come. You should be prayed up, hallelujah, that God has dwelt within you and is dwelling within you and is there for you. It says in verse 9, the word of the Lord told him, arise. So we see him having to literally get up, hallelujah, from where he was reciting. Get thee to Seraphath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to sustain you. 
Now, this is in a time of famine. If you remember that the Lord had actually put on Elijah's heart that the people had walked away from the Lord so much that they were serving Baal, they were serving Jezebel, they were serving all these false idols. There was idolatry that was running rampant through the children of God. All these things was going on. They was not following the Lord. They were literally all over the place with their faith. And we see God raises up this man, this prophet, before the people. And the Lord moves on his heart to get the people's attention and literally commands him, you need to pray unto me that there will become a famine and a drought because I'm going to shut up the windows of heaven and there's not going to be one drop of rain upon Israel. And so that occurred. He prayed unto the Lord that God would be able to get their attention and that he would shut up the heavens and he would dry up the rain. And he did that. And they were at a point of three and a half years without rain. Church, can you imagine? Most of us will say, my Lord, I wouldn't have to cut grass. We don't have to fight the grass monster of South Louisiana. Right? I got my brother-in-law and his family. They got like some snow plows and stuff. They from Kentucky. I said, I got a lawnmower. <laughs> it's just a way of life down here, isn't it? But he had dried up everything. Church, in a time of drought, in a time of need, I want you to know things begin to dry up around you first and then within you. See, many of you may be in a drought today. You hear the rain in other lands. People from other lands come within your presence and you hear them speak of the rain. You see their countenance. You see their strength. You feel their strength. You feel their healthiness. But around you and within you is nothing but dryness. And so Elijah needed sustenance. He needed strength to sustain him. He needed provision. He needed food. He needed water. He needed all of those natural things. As we take in food, as we take in water, it allows us to not only be healthy so that we can think straight, so that we can act straight, so that we can move straight, so that we can function, but it also allows us to grow. See, we need proper nourishment in order to continue to move. We must be constantly growing. Amen? So what was going on around them is that God had told them, I'm going to send a drought so that I can get your attention because what you're seeking as a source for growth and continuance, literally future, I want you to know it is not going to allow you to grow at all, but instead it's going to stunt your growth, and over time it is not going to nourish you, and you are going to begin to die. You are going to dry up and wither over time. And all the crops, all the water, all those things had literally began to dry up. The cattle first began to die, the animals began to die, and then people began to literally fall off because there was no nourishment, there was no expectation of the future because the drought had come and they all were looking for the same thing in their life at that moment was for something to sustain them. This was the point that the prophet was at when he received this word. The word tells him there's a woman in this area that is going to sustain you. Verse 10 
We see him actually acting out on his faith as the word of the Lord comes into him, as the truth of the Lord comes into him, as he hears it, as he experiences it. Now that he knows the truth, God has given him the word, church. Now it's his responsibility to have faith, trusting and believing in the word and to literally get up and rise up from where he's at at that moment and begin to move towards what God told him to move towards. Are y'all with me this morning? Verse 10 says, So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called unto her and said, Fetch me, I pray, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And verse 12 says this, And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruse. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, and we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, verse 13, Fear not, go and do as you have said, but make me therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for you and for your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she said, and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke unto Elisha. Now, this may seem like a very minor thing to you and I. Hey, hey, Brother Joy, how's it going? How's you and your family? Hey, can you give me a little drink of water? Church, it wasn't that easy. Water was one of the most precious things at that time, probably the most precious, even more than the food. They needed the flow of the water. They needed the nourishment of the water. They needed water within them. Hallelujah, church. How many of us know this morning that water also represents the flow of the Holy Spirit? How many of us need the flow, the Holy Spirit of God within us on a daily basis? Well, he was a man of God. Church, how would this have been for you and I? See, I want you to know there's sometimes, church, when you're in a time of famine especially, when you're in a time of need, when you're in a time of want, and you literally just look around at all those hurting around you, all those dying around you, all those different things. Church, sometimes it's hard to do what God has laid upon your heart to do. The prophet was a normal man. Let me tell you something. If God had told me to go to Brother... Larry and Sister Jesse's house and ask them for their last meal and I'm able to look at that precious little baby that I was just holding a while ago is about to eat it and die you think I'm going to be able to stand up there and say hey give, me, give it to me first this was no easy thing for the prophet to do in fact it was an overwhelming thing there's not an adult in this house this morning that would take that last meal from that family is it not one of you would do something like that. This was no easy thing for the prophet to do. But I want to tell you this morning once more, church, it's hard to serve the Lord in faith sometimes. 
It's hard to trust and to believe in things you can't see. The Bible tells us that faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Church, we're not always able to see everything that God is going to do, but we have to trust in His Word that when He tells us something, when He lays something on our hearts, when He commands us to do something, that there are times, in fact, there's always times when we are going to have to act out on our faith. Church, it's difficult. Look, I've had to pray for people times where they come to me and ask me for prayer, and the Lord would check my spirit and say, don't you pray for that. And I would have to look them in the face and say, God told me not to pray for that. I'm serious. You think that's easy? That's not easy. When they come into you for prayer, and the Lord would check me and say, don't you pray for that for them. That's not of my will. Now, God don't always speak to me in that capacity, but sometimes he does. And when he does, church, I have to act out on that faith. Imagine this in today's time frame. Imagine this. Uh, We have Channel 2 News there. We're here with Channel 2 News, and we're here with Joey Mack, pastor of Unity Prayer Center. In a time of famine, in a time of need, he's here with this family this morning, and uh, he just asked this poor woman and her child for their last meal. Let's go talk to this pastor and talk to this preacher right now and see what he has to say. Church, can you imagine how that would go? Are y'all seeing it this morning? This was a hard thing for Elijah to do. But when the word of the Lord had come to the man of God, there was a responsibility, no matter how hard it was, to act out on his faith. Y'all hearing me today? I think some of you are in that place this morning. God's wanting you to do something or say something, and it's hard for you to act out on your faith. Church, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a time of difficulty. But I want to tell you this morning, if God has gave something to you, if he's placed something on your heart, you have a responsibility to act out on your faith. And when you do... God is going to sustain you in this time of famine, in this time of need, to continue on into the future. God's going to give you exactly what you need in order to continue forward. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Come on, give him some praise this morning. Church, I don't know where this woman was. I don't know how hard it must have been for her. In fact, I would say she probably had cried out to the Lord. What parent, what single parent, as it reads, knew that she was about to starve to death and her child, more importantly, was about to starve to death with her? What parent would not cry out to God for help and provision? I want you to know this probably was not the only widow that was with a child in this same situation, in this time, there was famine throughout the land. There was probably many situations like this. And why God chose this particular widow, we don't know. We're not told those circumstances. But I want to tell you this, she had probably began to cry out to God for her need. But instead of God just giving it over unto her, besides her just walking outside and there's some fruit tree or some well of water which he easily could have given her that never runs dry. Instead, God, even though the situation was hard, the situation was difficult, 
God also test her faith in this situation. But I want to point you to a particular verse that really has a lot of significance in this because we can read right over it. It tells us in verse 9, it says that he was commanded to arise and get to Seraphath, which is which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. For behold, which means take note, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So we see the prophet rising up from this situation. We see him going to this situation and going to this woman. But we see right here that the word had already been given to this widow. And church, this also was not some easy word, for we see in the very situation, whenever the prophet begins to speak out to her, whenever he begins to ask her something, she does not begin to argue with him, does she not? She doesn't say, well, that's not what the Lord told me. The Lord told me that you're going to give me a blessing and it's going to never end until this famine ends. The word does not say that. In fact, the way it reads is as if when she began to pray unto the Lord, all the Lord tells her at this point in her walk and in her journey is this. There's going to be a man of God, a prophet that's going to come to you. And when he comes to you, I want you to feed him. I want you to take your last bit of meal, your last sustenance that you have in this time of famine, and I want you to give it away to someone else in this moment. That's all that she was told from the Lord. She wasn't told that there was going to be all the blessings. She doesn't say that. She probably would have responded as such. Yeah, I'll give you this because I know what he's about to give me. That doesn't happen. Imagine trying to walk in that faith of the Lord putting something on your heart saying, I know that you want out of this situation. I know you want deliverance from you. But you know what? Right now, that's not my will. Instead, I want you to give all that you have left in this time of famine and I want you to give it over unto someone else. But what he really was asking her to do is this, church. He was asking her to take her last bit of faith that she had left in this time of dryness, in this time of need, and he was asking her to act out on the little bit that she had left. Church, am I talking to somebody this morning? Church, I think God has great things for Unity Prayer Center. Do I want, the, I want the house full? Sure I do. But I'm, I'm being honest with you. I don't care about the numbers. I want the blessings of the Lord. I want people coming here and it filled up and flowing out the doors, not because of us or this place, but because the presence of God is here. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. He told this woman, give what you have left. And to this prophet, what did she do? Verse 15, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he in her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke Unto Elijah. I don't know about you, 
This is a miracle. Church, if we were in a time of famine, if you were in a time of need, if you were about to starve to death, you were literally down to your last meal, someone could say, hey, I got a million dollars right here. You say, I could care less about a million dollars. That's worthless to me right now. What I need is some food and I need some water. I need something inside of me that is going to allow me to start moving once more, to start growing once more, to start living once more. I need some nourishment to come unto me so that I can continue forward. You see, I've been thinking I have no future. I've been thinking that I'm about to die in this drought and my one son my only family member is about to die with me in this drought but now I see that there is future that is going to happen to me and I want to tell you why there's future because today I went and I opened up the barrel and there was meal in there I opened up the other barrel and there was water within there I went the next day and I opened it up and there was meal in there the next day there was water in there churches like us I heard the word last Sunday and it touched my heart it touched my spirit I came Wednesday night and God touched me again I'm sitting in the house this morning and God is moving moving all over me. He's trying to tell me something. He's trying to fill me up. He's trying to give me some nourishment. Hallelujah. I'm ready to open up four more barrels because I know God is about to fill me up. I thought I was going to die, but now I know. Hallelujah. I'm going to live unto Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's future. There's hope. There's expectation. There's blessings, there's nourishment, there's growth, there's strength. When we take the word, the promise, and we have enough trust and belief to get up, to say the hard thing, to do the hard thing, When we act out on our faith, God sends us a miracle. In a time of famine, time of need, God sends a miracle. Church, it may not be enough for you to become a millionaire. But it will be enough for you to continue to walk, to live, to grow until you come out of the famine and into the blessings of the Lord. There is a land of milk and honey for you and I. Some of you want just enough to continue to get their church. Today, he will continue to give you enough of that. You want a healing today, he can give you a healing to continue forward. You want to know him on a much deeper level, today he can touch you on a much deeper level. You want him to change you today, he can change you. Church, he will do that if we will act out on our faith. We'll just act out on it. We'll speak it. We'll live it. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. You realize every time I get up to preach, and I'm a preacher, I know that. I'm called to it. Every time I get up to preach, I am in a place and position to act out on my faith. Every time. 
Church, I can't get up and tell you all these things if I don't believe it with everything that is within me. I can't get up and say a word unless I believe it. You also are in places and positions to act out on your faith. Church, will you do it? Will you do it? I want to tell you there are some barrels that are waiting on you, amen, if you'll act out on your faith. Church, would you stand this morning? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back for a few moments today. Church, I did forget to tell you, Brother Jeff Wade, y'all know them, him and his wife Cecile, they sat all the way up in the front here. Their son is in the hospital. Their son's name's Jason Wade, and, and he's unresponsive. I don't know all the details of the situation. I talked to him again yesterday. Please continue to lift up their son also in prayer. They also, I think to my knowledge, they lost a son some time ago. This is, this is their last uh, child. So let's continue to pray for them along with all of the other needs. Brother Eno, Sister Sharon had mentioned to me, I forgot to mention that this morning. He also needs prayer this morning. Some of you may remember him from way back, uh, very close to Brother Delmas and Sister Sharon through the years. Church, I don't know what you have need of this morning, but I want to tell you this message just wasn't for this preacher this morning. It was for you. It's a very challenging thing. It's a very hard thing for us to act out on our faith. It's a lot easier just to sit around and say, I believe. Church, it don't, it don't work that way. Amen? God calls us to be men and women of action. I don't know what he's asking you to do. It could be a simple thing that you just come and you repent to him. I don't know. That you put down that thing you've been picking up. I don't know what it is. It could be something a lot more grand and significant than that in your life and in your walk. But I want to tell you this before they begin to play. God is not done with you. I say that to you individually this morning with force. God is not done with you. I don't care how old you are. He's not done with you. If he was done with you, he would have done took you out of here. Y'all hear me today? He would have done took you home, church. He's not done with you. He's not done, amen? And he's not done with this service. Oh, as they begin to play today, church, these altars are open. I'm going to ask you to come and just enter in with the Lord this morning. Maybe he's asking you to act out on your faith today. Church, you don't know the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Would you come today as they begin to pray? Come on, let's fill up these altars this morning of God's children stepping out in faith today. Would you come today?
let's not forget about those that are in need there was many prayer requests that went out this morning many people hurting church there's a lot of hurt in the church a lot of hurt in the body and God has commanded us as brothers and sisters to help protect one another to love one another enough to act out on what God's given us amen God can do all those things but church usually usually he works through us. The sermon this morning was a perfect example of that. Yes, God can create out of nothing, but usually He works through us to touch and to increase. Amen? Come on, that $20 that person needs besides you may be in your pocket. <laughs> that hug and that shoulder and that place of support that that person beside you needs may be on your shoulder. Amen. Let's love one another. Come on, let's give him a, one more hand clap of praise this morning. Let's don't forget about next Sunday. Please, please invite your children. Invite them. I know it's going to be a good time. And also, church, if you think God's doing something here, and I know he is, feel God's presence, you feel God moving, you feel God changing, invite somebody to church, amen, to come experience what God is doing at Unity Prayer Center. All we want to do is love them when they come in. Lord, we thank you today. 
Lord, I know you have told us in your word that it shall not return void. Thank you, Lord, for putting it upon my spirit, Lord, to speak it and giving me the faith to stand, to speak this word today, O oh Lord God. Thank you for touching all of the hearts, all the souls this morning in the house. Continue to bless us as we come, bless us as we go, keep us safe until we come back at the appointed time. Please help all those that are in need this morning and help us to see where we can help those that are in need as you help us. We love you and we thank you and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all.